from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's Tiny House Podcast. This is Perry. Good morning. This is Michelle. And this is Mark. And it's the contact lens edition. What does that mean? My eyeglasses broke the other day. And oh. so that's why I'm not wearing my glasses today. And I'm wearing these readers every once in a while. I was going to say, I just saw you with glasses on earlier. Yeah. They look I have good. computer glasses. Mm-hmm. I have reading glasses. And I have contact lenses. So oh my I'm right word. there with you. I like the grandma string that you have them wrapped around. <laughs> yeah, well, they've <laughs> got to be handy. It's take them on, take them off, take them on, take them off. <laughs> I can't wait till my new glasses get here. So, speaking of handy, <coughs> how's that downsize project coming along? It's uh, it's that funny. Was a bad segue. Now, no, it was a good segue. It's interesting. Um, not spending a whole lot of time on it, other than it mold- modulating in my mind. But uh, Bridget and I have decided that uh, we're going to partition off a third of the back of the garage and turn that into a somewhat of a tiny house man cave. It's going to be about 200 square feet. And um, we got a contractor to come and take a look yesterday. And we got some windows at the rebuilding center for beautiful windows for 50 bu- 40, 20 bucks each. Ah, that is and, so cool. um, I'm going to do most of the work. The contractor is going to do the advising and I'm really excited. Very have fun. you ever like swung a hammer? Oh yeah. Okay, I have, good. I, I built a garage for my, the first house that I owned. I built a garage on an existing foundation with a really good friend of mine. Oh, cool. Is it still standing? It is still standing. Nice. <laughs> it, it's funny. Back then, this was back in '86. Um, this is a house on Mississippi. It had a tiny house on the back back property. This, back in the day in North Portland, when um, gangs ruled that land, <laughs> um, <laughs> along with dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the eighties, uh, they had there was this property that I bought. This um, there was a fire and it burned down the garage and it gutted this this. Um, I guess they would have called it a, a granny shack in the olden days, but it's basically it, it was a tiny house. It was really small, probably two hundred square feet. Had a kitchen, a bathroom, and an open space. And at the time, I didn't know I didn't know how to do plumbing and electricity and stuff, so I just left it. But I, my friend and I rebuilt the garage, and then when I sold the house, the guy who came behind me went ahead and finished that that tiny house in the backyard so now, now he's, he's making bank yep. on airbnb yeah yeah he's kicking butt making bank so many things have happened in my life where after the fact i look back and i'm like i gotta make a million dollars with that damn thing <laughs> 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 i was talking to somebody a couple days ago and they said a friend of theirs is making twelve thousand dollars a month on airbnb on airbnb with his condo in the pearl just one condo one condo in the pearl and he's making twelve grand a month the guy's like done working like all he does now is just hang out drink coffee and play soccer how much does he rent it for a day i don't know he'd have to do the math i don't know what's 30 12 grand divided by you know that's 400 a day there you go no way he's making but that's that sold out 100 percent. well that's i don't know maybe they have executives that come through and like Actually, the, that's true you, yeah yeah so wow. if you if you advertise like to the right you know clientele that's all interesting, but at the same time, it's, you know, any day it could fall off the cliff, right? Yeah, any day, true. Airbnb could be, boom, done in Portland, yeah. done in Oregon. They could institute some other thing where the prices are cut in half. There's so much that can be done. It's great. They can manage it now. Put it yeah. in the bank. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't quit your day job. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like this guy did. Apparently. 
<laughs> like Alex did? No, not not Alex. The guy. Oh, you were just the guy about that I know. Yeah, the guy that I know. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Alex. Ooh, Ooh another God, clever. Look at ah, you. Damn. I'm like rolling on the segways. The first <laughs> one was really bad though. She's high on dopamine though. <laughs> exactly, because she got <laughs> so, some last night. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Eves, welcome to the Tiny Hands Podcast. That's me. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It it is going well. So Alex, uh, for the for those people who don't know him, is the uh, are you the creator? Director. Director. Okay. Director of a documentary called Reuse because you can't recycle the planet. God damn it. <laughs> That's, That's close to the name. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens if someone Google's that, Alex? Are they still going to get your film? Are they still going to come up with your film? Uh, minus minus the goddamn it at the end. No, <laughs> but. But one of the bands that's on the soundtrack, 311, has an album called Damn It. So with SEO the way it is, you know, it might come up. Awesome. So, um, Alex, how did, you, how did you come about making this film? How far do you want me to go back, my far, friend? We, we go way back. So Out of the birth canal is fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. I don't know. <laughs> that was a good one, Thank actually. You. Okay. I'll Mark's been to, drinking I'll try his to give coffee you the too. Bridged caffeinated version. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, so basically, um, I don't totally recognize it until my adult years. I've always really been into reusing, starting starting when I was a little kid with my dad and like making matchbox car tunnels out of toilet paper rolls and shoebox garages and things like that. And then as I got older in my teenage years, I used anything from a couch to a door to an old washing machine for skateboard obstacles. And it was all about, you know, just finding what I could and, ha you know, getting creative and also saving a bunch of money. And um, I also grew up in a very large house, so that's kind of fitting for why I'm on this show. Um, and we had way too much stuff. Um, I was one of five kids, and it's a 17-room house in Massachusetts. Wow. Yep. We had, we had some relatives living with us over the years, so it quasi-made sense. <laughs> and, uh, and as I got older, I just started really picking up on the waste, the waste aspect. So I used to sell T-shirts for bands. I was a touring merchandiser for some pretty high-profile rock bands, and there was there was just one specific instance where all of these shirts were printed incorrectly. And what happens when shirts are printed incorrectly is the band ends up getting the right shirts, but then those other shirts get destroyed. Hmm. And so this was 144 brand new, never worn American Apparel T-shirts, you know, that had been created and shipped numerous times and sewn and printed and I just started thinking about all of those resources the time and the money and I'm just like I can't be a part of that problem and I needed to be a part of the solution and being um, a problem solver is, is part of me too it, it started when I was little I'm like super into jigsaw puzzles because I have uh, crazy ADHD and jigsaw puzzles kind of helped calm me down over the years and so I just always liked finding a solution to a problem. And so with that waste problem in the t-shirt world, I started making reuse apparel and adjusted my originally a skateboard and apparel brand into a reuse apparel brand. And now all of my shirts are 
reused, all certified green by Green America, and it just keeps so much waste out of landfill. So doing that, I am a uh, strong believer in practicing what you preach, and if I'm going to put some messages on a shirt, I sure as hell better be leading that lifestyle. And I kind of kind of used 2008 as as the year when everything kind of changed. That's when I converted my brand, and I won an award for best small business idea. And that's when I stopped using disposable coffee cups, uh, stopped buying paper napkins, stopped getting bags at the grocery store. You know, so that's that's going on eight years now. And I drink coffee at least once or twice a day, so it's a lot of coffee cups that I've avoided. And um, yeah, so so this passion, I just started talking to people about it, sharing my ideas, doing speaking engagements, and then at some point along the way, this guy said, hey, you should make a TV show or a documentary. And I'm like, you're crazy, you know, because I, I had never done anything like that. But then Camera just, shy. What's that? Are you camera shy? No, I've <laughs> been, on, been on TV numerous times for different things. Um, I actually made a tiny bit part, uh, according to Jim, the Jim, Jim Belushi show a few years. <laughs> um, just just random occurrences over the years and then and then being on stage with bands for so many years you know just singing backups for fun um but but uh yeah i i ended up getting nominated for this award it was uh the people and planet award by green america and i was going to use the money to travel around the country show people what i do with stay vocal that's my reuse apparel brand and what i do in my daily life and i ended up losing so I said to myself, that's a bummer, but I can do this on my own. And so I came up with that idea, but then transferred that into let's make a documentary about it. Ended up raising the money through Kickstarter and went on a 48-state tour of the U.S. Wow. Filmed in every state and uh, traveled for three months. And a couple of years later, I have a documentary. Epic. Yeah, very cool. Epic. I want to be you when I grow that's, up. That's the shortened version, so sorry about that. How did you, um, what was, was your family rich? Why were you living in a 17-room house? No, not at all. Uh, car- carpenters in the family. Oh. So yep. carpenters yeah, lived together? Have, What's like the name said, of that mansion? Fun. What's the name of that mansion they kept on adding on to, that crazy lady kept on adding on to? That's not the... Oh, uh, Hearst no, Hearst Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you have carpenters in the family. There's just add rooms when you need more space. Yeah. So was yeah, it- no, and and it was like it was um, my uh, my dad's aunt lived with us too, so she helped, and you know it was just over time. It wasn't like all of a sudden like oh my god, let's take five hundred thousand dollars build this giant house. So it's cool that you um my levels are a little high. Yeah. It's cool that um you never really wanted to work for someone else that you just started out on your own from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. So I did work for other people. I I actually worked at the Boston globe. I was a, I was a journalism major. So I, I worked there. I got an internship in college, but my last day was the day I graduated because I had been running a street promotions company for bands. And I was like, I just want to go off on my own. And so (laughs) So ever ever since then, basically, I have been on my own. I mean, I 
I was working for bands and management companies for bands, but not, you know, I was an independent contractor. Does your, does your, um, reuse apparel brand, does it, does it, is it a full-time thing for you? No, not anymore. Um, it's just not my passion. My passion is, is the ideas and sharing not only what I do, but what everybody else does. So, and once, once I made this film and started doing more speaking engagements with it, I was like, okay, this is really my calling. And so that's, that's why I've kind of laid out the next few years for more films and more, more projects in the works. So. So let's talk about the tour a little bit. I'm sure you have a lot of really fun stories, and we'd love to hear at least a few of them. Um, did you talk to schools? Did did corporations sponsor you to come talk to their their employees? Did you go to fairgrounds? How does how do you put it together a tour like that? Who um, who was your uh, your uh, demographic? Who was your audience? So basically, I wanted to showcase in each state a person or organization that was reusing in a unique way and i had some hand-picked places you know beforehand like in california there's a company that makes skateboards out of reclaimed materials which is amazing so that was that was one of the first places that i chose and then i put up a thing on my website and people applied to be in it and then you know word of mouth and then i also worked um with Green America because they have a huge network of organizations across the country. But then also, like the case of Phoenix, Arizona, we literally showed up and uh, the original place canceled and we had six hours to sit down at a coffee shop, figure something out and film and we made it happen. <laughs> wow. And was your was your tour funded by the Kickstarter campaign or did you have corporate sponsors like Michelle was asking before? Oh, it was it was funded by Kickstarter, but not nearly enough. <laughs> and that's uh, that's something I, I learned for the for the second project here. You know, uh, really really budgeting smart. Yeah. So. And and so, what would you say was the most interesting stop along your forty eight state tour? Oh gosh, it's it's tough. I I think. I, I, I always bring this one up just because I think it can affect every single person and it's just so awesome. So outside of Atlanta, Georgia, there's an organization called FODAC, which is Friends of Disabled Adults and Children. And they put uh, pre-owned medical equipment in the hands of anybody. So basically for a $25 fee, you have lifetime access to crutches, wheelchairs, walkers, hospital beds, whatever. Wow. And so like you go in this one room and it's all, you know, smaller wheelchairs and different size wheelchairs and different size crutches and everything because a kid, you know, if a kid is born with a disability, they can come in, get a certain size. And then when they're older, they can trade up and keep trading up and it's $25. And so not only is it like such an amazing thing for our planet, keeping all of these these pieces of equipment alive, but you know it's just the money people are saving and what you know it's also just building a great community down there. So. Yeah, is it twenty five dollars one time or is it one time? Wow, right. that's pretty awesome. Right. So imagine, imagine that kind of healthcare situation all over the U.S. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. what what would you say is the worst? experience you had the worst yeah um well i mean flat tires 
uh, rained out venue. Oh, sick gang children. Gang I'm, I'm, I'm giving you I some time to think about your answer here. So, uh, I am such a silver lining guy. So, the, the worst the experience <laughs> was when I when I got to Los Angeles. My original videographer got sick and had to go home, and so I was quote unquote stuck in California because really is it ever a problem to be stuck in California <laughs> yes um, so I ended up uh, staying with a friend for a month in Northern California but it ended up just being awesome because I got a new videographer who added a totally different dimension to the film and brought in new friends and new contacts and so yeah it was uh, yeah I, I try to think of all the bad things you know and then in Kentucky like the, the guy got at sick, we were going to film reclaimed flooring, barn lumber flooring, but then we ended up finding this, you know, it was like one of the first movie theaters in Kentucky that got turned into a performing arts center, so it was really just, yeah, that that's kind of another part of my life, is I just really try to find the good in every crappy situation. Make lemonade. Exactly. Where does that come yeah. from? Uh, I don't know, maybe being the youngest of five kids and trying to get my voice heard or something. <laughs> no, that makes you talk loud and talk a lot like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, and, and also just having, I, I guess some experience, you know, with a lot of, you know, friends growing up or, you know, people I worked with who are, are the opposite, you know? Yeah. So, so you always know it's going to work out. Or, uh, or or you work with the way it works out happily. I I'm pretty confident that things are going to work out and just really take take every every situation you know and try to try to work with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know I get pissed off just like everybody else yeah. at situations. <laughs> have you been? Have you ever been married? No. Okay. That's why you know everything's going to work out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm just uh, kidding. I've definitely been in love, and so I know that not mm-hmm. everything's going to work out. So. Well, it does they do work out when they end because they were better not continue. Right. <laughs> so it's working right. out. Or you'll be told it's working out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. So, so marriage, <clears throat> marriage counseling aside. Yeah, we're not going there. This is the Tiny House Podcast, so I'm going to circle this. I'm going to circle the conversation back a little bit. So, Alex, we we uh, came to came to become familiar with your project um, in part due to your relationship with Derek Diedrichson, or as we love to call him, Deke. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was an electric guitar for those that didn't understand that noise. <laughs> he even did the hand motion and everything. I did. So um, we, uh, so tell us, so as you know, tiny house people, we tend to be very, um, uh, what's the word? Tiny. Yeah. Drunk. Mm-hmm. Dopamined. Inspired by the environment, has that? Has that? Inspired by the environment. So you and Deke are good friends. You work on projects together. Um, so how did you meet Deke? How did you, um, you know, again, you you have a lot in common. As a matter of fact, he even said you have some, some really, really. Uh, I think he called them incidental coincidences or something. So tell yeah, us about your strange. connection, your inspiration, how you met Deke, and. A little bit about the tiny house movement and your involvement. Well, well, first of all, as we are recording this, 
this is since since we're recording this for the future. This is going back in time to June 29th, 2016. So today is my birthday, and yesterday was his birthday. Oh wow! Happy birthday! And born in the same year, so we're literally a day apart. Wow! Um, Brothers from another mother. Yeah, it's really it's really strange. Um, I don't know if he told you, but we also both went to Northeastern University in Boston. Didn't know each other. Wow. We also both worked with the same band out of New York City, Shooty's Groove, or at, at the same time, didn't know each other. Um, mm. And he's only from a few towns over. And, and it's really funny, but like we've talked about concerts that we were at at like really small venues, and we're like, yeah, we were there. Wow. <laughs> so it's just, it's just so surreal. We didn't meet until a year and a half ago or so. I was, I was selling T-shirts at the Stoughton, Massachusetts Farmer's Market, and he saw one of my shirts and really liked it. We just got talking, and then all of this crazy stuff came out. And uh, yeah, and and after the fact, I I do remember him because he was a DJ on one of the big radio stations, and so I do remember his his name. But I wasn't such a big radio listener, but I remember that. Now at the time, he wasn't obviously wasn't into the tiny house movement. Um, no, yeah, that's I think he's you know ever since he was little, he's had like building you know tree forts and different things like that. So it's always been in there. Just. The whole tiny home movement came out. But when you met him, though, he was. Because if you met him a year and a half ago, he was pretty immersed. Yeah, yeah. 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 So last week we had a conversation with another guy that actually recycles materials into tiny houses. Um, So so does he recycle or does he reuse? Because that's a huge part of my education is trying to educate people on the difference. Because if you recycle materials, you're grinding them up and using a bunch of resources and making them new. Whereas what I'm trying to do with <laughs> is just reusing existing materials, you know, because that's and that's that's like such a word that people confuse all the time. So I, I'm just curious. I think this guy reuses. What's, what's okay. his name? What was his name? Brad Kittle. Brad Kittle. Yeah. Do you know that guy? No, I don't know the name. Texas was, Tiny Texas House. Tiny Houses. Okay. He's not the one that's doing the whole community for the homeless uh, with tiny homes, is he? No. Okay, there's a guy in Austin doing that, which is amazing. Yeah, this guy has assembled so much um, salvage material that he says he can build 100 tiny houses without leaving his property. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, we have the materials here for so much stuff. Like, we could probably go 50 years without, you know, manufacturing a new car, just reuse all the materials. That's pretty much what he says. In fact, he was saying saying that uh, it's a pretty interesting model he's got where he goes and asks people to pay him to dismantle their old structure and then so he makes money that way and then he takes the material brings it back to his property builds something really cool with it usually a house and then um sells it for a lot of money yeah yeah uh the the place that i visited in detroit in michigan there reclaim detroit that's exactly what they do they're all about um, deconstruction versus demolition and they go in because in when I filmed there there was 35 to 70,000 abandoned homes in Detroit which is just nuts so they went in and they were just you know disassembling all this amazing wood and reusing that for various things everything from chess boards to I think they'd have done some tiny homes with it so wow. did, who, who did you visit on your tour when you came to Oregon um, I went to Eugene to uh, Hummingbird Wholesale, 
So are you familiar with them at no, all? No. So they reuse all kinds of containers and everything for restaurant food surplus. So say you need oils or syrups or anything, you just keep going back with your big vats and jars and everything. Huh. Had you heard of the rebuilding center in Portland? No. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, change the subject. Well, again, let's go back to the education piece. You were talking about educating people about the difference between recycling and reusing. Um, I interchanged the words, so that was definitely an aha moment for me. What other key points um, is part of your message? What other, what other aha moments? Uh, do a brief outline of your presentation for us. Well, basically, you know, for years, people have been telling us that recycling is going to save the day and that it's the saving grace. Like, don't throw it in the don't throw it in the trash bin, throw it in the recycling bin. But I was actually I just had a meeting in um, in L.A. yesterday and in L.A. with the single stream recycling here, 40 percent of it is not able to be recycled. Ex explain, so even, explain what you mean by single stream. So, okay, so instead of, you know, having one bin for glass, one bin for plastic, one bin for paper, it all goes into one bin to one whole sorting uh, facility. Okay. So, so 40% of that is just ends up going into the landfill. Why is that? So, b because it's either contaminated, it's not right, right number plastic, things like that. So, so what I try to tell people is like, you know, you think you're doing a good thing, but you really, it's a guessing game. Whereas if, you know, with reusing, you know exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. You're going to pick up that jar and use it again. You're going to pick up that bottle and use it again. And you don't have to worry about what bin it goes in, you know, like save, save your energy walking out to the curb, you know, just rinse it out and use it again. It's interesting when you, when we, when we think about the tiny house movement and the way people are building tiny houses and, um, I think I said in this episode that I was looking at doing a garage, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. So I've been looking. <laughs> early onset. <laughs> exactly. Early, early. Um, when I when I was, I we've been looking at tiny houses online and, and we went to the rebuilding center to look at some stuff. And <clears throat> the the tiny houses like Texas, Texas tiny houses. And there's another one that Mark, you and I looked at when we built that book a long time ago. The mm. guy in Texas was making these really luxurious oh, yeah, yeah. structures. Yep. There's an organic beauty of there's an organic beauty that exists in a structure when you take something and reuse it as part of that structure. And there seems to be, I could not to get too woo woo here, but it seems like it, it almost glows with this sense of purpose or something like that. When you're able to take these reused materials and put in, put them together in a brand new way, but in an artistic and beautiful brand new way that makes something totally new. So I, I yep. really get what you're saying. I would yep. like to uh, say that's certainly the example or certainly the case for my tiny house kitchen. Really? I mean, they're all circa 1947, mm -hmm. you know, vintage oh, yeah. cool appliances. Yep. It took me two years to curate the collection. And, you know, and I took them back and tore them all down and fixed them all up and put them all back together. And, and the one thing that gets the most interest about my entire tiny house is those recycled vintage appliances huh. by far. Huh. So, um, and I was a little worried that it was, um, it would seem hodgepodge in a, in a sort of, the architecture of my tiny house is very modern. Very modern, yeah. But yet, what you just said sort of struck a chord. It sort of just glows with something else, right? Yeah, it's right? almost, you can almost not put your finger on it. It's like, wow, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, my house was featured in House Beautiful. So designers even think it looks cool. But it yeah. totally has like this identity crisis, but it kind of transcends the identity crisis with the character that that is imposed by reusing materials, especially in tiny houses. It's really cool. Yep. So where, do, Alex, where do you, so, so let's say I'm a tiny house builder and I want to build a tiny house and I want to reuse screws. Where would someone go to get reuse screws that need to, what am I saying? Surplus salvage screws? Do you just screw them out of wood or where do they, is there a pile old of screws, screws somewhere? Yeah, old screws thinking. Well, for, fortunately, uh, Habitat for Humanity has their restore locations in you know so many cities across the U.S. So that's a great place, and you know they're not necessarily going to be used screws, but it's going to be like half half boxes, you know, from construction sites or whatever that so many people would end up tossing. I used to do construction growing up every summer uh, with my uncle, and you know the amount of you know, surplus things that we would either have to bring to the dump or, you know, just put in a dumpster on site. It's, it's just crazy. Hmm. So, um, but then it's, you know, they're popping up more and more as just, you know, surplus building supplies places. There's, there's one right in, in downtown Boston. And then there, you know, for me being in Massachusetts, there's one in Western Mass and, uh, another awesome one that I've been to up in Northern California is Urban Ore. I don't know if you guys have heard of that in Oakland, Berkeley area. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are just, they're just everywhere. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, doing, doing a quick Google search. But then also, you know, if you really want to get creative, you know, you just go down the street, see where the construction sites are and talk to the people. Oh. Because, you know, they'd be, so many people would be glad for you to like come in and take the old boards or take, you know, clean up. Because <laughs> if, if that's what you're you're going for. That's an expense so. for them. They yeah. haul it away for free. Right. 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 So are you as inspired by all of these options um, as I am? I don't remember and I don't know if, it's just because I wasn't aware. I don't remember having this level of attention paid um, socially to these kinds of issues and the rehab Habitat for Manny and the reuse center and the even flea markets and, and you know, this whole notion of, of reusing and vintage and the, the value of the, of the production of that item from the, you know, early days. I'm losing my train of thought here. It's okay because I think you're right. The, there are shows on HGTV where they feature people doing reality contests of going into a flea market, grabbing something and repainting, it, it. repurposing mm-hmm. it, and then set, seeing how much they can make off of that process. Yeah. So, Alex, are you as inspired by this, or is there a certain level of commercialism at which point you are uninspired? Well, see, see, the thing about all of this is what we're doing and what we're talking about this is not new like this is this is something that our parents and our grandparents depending on how old we are grew up with you know like reusing and repurposing and upcycling that was a way of life you know unfortunately the 1960s came along you know in this whole mentality of single use and disposable and plastic everything mm. that screwed everything up for 40 or 50 years so we're just kind of like going back a little so we can keep going forward and so i don't I, i'm definitely inspired by it and i i you know of course i get a little frustrated you know if it's like becoming too like chic and cool to reuse <laughs> you know but at the same time that's how you're gonna make things popular right you know like 
if if Shaquille O'Neal starts, you know, only wearing, you know, reused basketball jerseys, you know, maybe a whole new world of kids will start doing that too. And that's, you know, that's that's kind of what my goal is and and why like uh, why I'm doing the different projects that I'm doing is I really want to bring reusing into worlds where it's not necessarily thought about, you know. So I really want to get back into the music industry because, you know, even at a recent concert that I went to where my friends were playing, you know, and finding out how much plastic bottle waste on the buses there is and just, oh, it's just crazy. How, uh, how, how would you, I'm really curious to hear how you would make an impact in that area. In in what the music industry? in the music industry where you see all this waste going on, what would you be? What would you? What are your intentions? Well, first of all, the the water bottle thing would be huge. So the band the band that I have been talking to on a daily basis, they go through about eighty water bottles, and they're all thrown away. Just the band? Just the band on the bus? How many band members are in the band? I think it's like seven or eight. Eighty. That's. How is that possible? Okay, so so you the you thirsty? can an, you can answer what you asked me. The first thing I would do is go in and get everybody a freaking reusable water bottle and say we're going to save money and not buy freaking disposable water bottles, and dudes. Space. Like that's crazy. That is crazy. Wow. You know, I mean, it's it. You know, in one week, you're you already save money. You know, if everybody can commit to using that bottle that bottle and you know fortunately there are artists like jack johnson and jason Mraz who are making an impact you know in that in that world Hmm. you know um but it's 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 tough because when you're out on the road and having that experience that i have you know it's 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 a convenience thing but that that that's part of my education too it's like what's more convenient having something immediately or having a planet you know, and to me, the answer is always having a planet. And so if we step back with every single decision that we make for a few seconds and think how it will positively or negatively impact the planet, we can all be better off. So, however, I'm going to I'm going to send you in a different direction. There's a uh, Quicken Loans commercial that drives me crazy every time I see it. It is very, very, very pro-consumerism. And basically the concept is you get a, you know, you didn't know you could afford a house, so you got to get this mortgage so you can afford this house. And then when you get this big, beautiful house, then you have to fill it with all kinds of stuff. And then when you fill it with stuff, it creates jobs for other people that can then have jobs to buy their own big houses and fill with more stuff. So the idea of consumerism actually, from their perspective, uh, creates jobs and more loans which they make more money off of. right but my point is is that how do you combat that how do we in other words if you're going to reuse something um what what is the impact where are the jobs you know what i'm oh i see you're saying if everybody on the planet did the reuse situation no one would have any need to work to produce anything and they couldn't do their own reusing because they don't have houses to Right. Well, we're, we're so we're kind of unraveling the <coughs> consumerism model, and what, and I know I'm being very heady. What, um, what financial impact would that have? Well, I don't, I don't think everybody is going to want to reuse themselves. I mean, that's that's one convenience, but paying other people to reuse is it will be the way to be. So, you know, for years we've been relying on manufacturing jobs for so much of our economy. So it's just a matter of relying on remanufacturing jobs. 
So instead of using, you know, raw materials to make all of these things, just turn those into the materials that are already here. You know, and you have companies like H&M who are, you know, starting to do that. They're starting to, you know, take back clothing and make some repurposed and upcycled clothing. So it's it's just a matter of that. Like, you know, they'll, um, you know, some jobs will be lost with, you know, <laughs> acquiring all of those original um you know raw materials but then other jobs will be recreate you know created like maybe they'll have <laughs> jobs where it's like a thrift store shopper okay go out to this thrift store and buy us a hundred you know black t-shirts for today you know and that that's a job so i think there's so much potential um and part of part of my film uh one of the um greatest organizations that I ran into was Reuse Minnesota and they did a huge uh, huge study about the positive impacts of the economy just just in Minnesota so well it's funny because Mark says this all the time about how when you look into the future it's hard to predict what's going to be the next thing but there's always something that creates something that produces opportunities for people to make a living or whatever right and and so you know, a big a big thing that I see and the benefit fit with a tiny home is it's going to get people out of their house more often experiencing life and traveling and doing things so that's going to bring about you know more opportunity for for jobs you know maybe more jobs will be created at you know um parks or at you know ad adventure theme park <laughs> places things like that where people can actually go more frequently now or baseball games or whatever you know because they'll be able to get out of the house because i know you know from growing up in a huge house if you have everything you need right there what's the point in leaving yeah you know like if you if you have all the video <laughs> games you want all the tv you That's... want all the movie, movies you want if you have your if you have your own you know uh theater in the house or your own you know for me i had my own little skate park in one of the three basements so why did i need to go out all the time <laughs> that's actually I'm laughing because that's kind of a parenting methodology, right? And maybe we've stumbled across across a new uh, a new uh, uh, boy. I'm just not with it today. It, it's that thing you had last night. <laughs> no, I mean, so for instance, when you have kids, like you make it too comfortable for them, and then they just stay home forever. Yeah, yeah. That was yep. interesting with the tiny house conceptually. The way we're talking about too is being designed in such a way that you want to get out of it mm -hmm. or need to get out of mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah, yep. Which is an interesting design challenge. It nice is enough to want to live in for eight hours a day, but then get out and experience things. Yeah, yep. So, have you ever slept in a tiny house, um, Alex? <laughs> not a, not a. Um, technical tiny house but i traveled for many years on a tour bus which is much smaller than a tiny house and uh one of the main inspirations for the new film coming up is i basically lived out of a penske truck for a couple summers so so they were all, that would be a mobile tiny home mm -hmm. but it was very shoddy <laughs> well, but under but you understand minimalism, and you know, I mean, you understand the concept that you can live literally out of a suitcase. Oh yes, and I, you know, I, I'm noticing it again being away from Massachusetts right now. Back in time on June 29th, um, 
that you know being in Los Angeles with only a couple bags of stuff it's like so much easier with less choices oh, yeah. you know, it's like I don't have as many t-shirts to choose from I don't have as many you know things to look at because whether or not people want to admit it or not but the more stuff we have the more stuff we have to look at it's all registering in our brain and we have to think about it whereas if we just have a few things here and there we can be thinking about what's next you know like what am i going to do tonight what am i going to eat well that's a good question so what is next for you right now or in the future how far do we want to go with that let's say in the future okay so this is um well (laughs) since this is being taped for august 3rd let's uh my box truck film hopefully just got funded so we are going to start building a uh, living and learning reuse center inside of and that's uh, me Derek D. Dickerson and Jason Kimball who was the editor of my first film so that's that's what's next and when that's done I will be um, start showcasing that around and um, getting getting back on the road are you going to come to the jam will it will it be in done in time for you to come to the jamboree the Jamboree. The tiny, house, the tiny House Jamboree in Colorado. When is that? Uh, First weekend in August. Thank you. Oh, no. No, it won't be. No. No. Deke's going to be there, though. Oh, yeah. Deke's going to be on stage with us for the live podcast That's on right. Friday. Cool. Playing rock and roll. And rapping. Hopefully. Maybe playing rock and roll and rapping <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> his, his tiny home rap that he did. Have you heard him rap? Oh yeah, he's pretty oh, yeah. phenomenal. There was a bit of disappointment there. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no disappointment. Right. He he is just a man of so many skills. He is. Some might be better than others. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I love you, Deke. <laughs> backpedal, backpedal. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for. Oh wait. We got time for a- we got time for a couple good because sure. I want to ask him a couple more questions yeah, about the um, the speaking and the writing and the and the and the um, consulting that you do. Um, is this a full time gig? Uh, so the the speaking engagements and the film the film work that's that's the full time gig. The speaking okay, so you get you get uh, speaker fees for your speeches. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Oh and, man, I need to do that. And do you do that at do you do that in companies or in schools or uh right now a main focus is high schools and colleges with the with the film because that's that's who it's been connecting with most, you know, and, and it's which is, what is awesome is that most of the universities around the country have some kind of sustainable or green group. Right. So I've been working a lot with them. But um, but no, I also you know do it at, at companies and also elementary schools. I spoke to 140 fourth graders a couple months ago, so that was fun. I bet that was fun. Um, yeah, my, I, I try to make my films all you know very very kid friendly, uh, just to, to just to make sure that we can all get something out of it. Yeah, nice. What um, what companies have you, if you can say, what companies have you spoken at? Um, so on, on different, um, different levels, I have done different things at, um, oh God, how far do I want to go back with this? That's all related. Uh, some, I, I actually did one of the most exciting things. I launched a t-shirt specifically with eBay a few years ago 
So they used to have a whole world of good. Um, oh, yeah. World of good. Oh, I remember, remember that. World of I good remember the section. founders. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and we we teamed up to do a limited edition Stay Vocal Reuse t-shirt that was only available on the eBay site. So that was really awesome because, you know, for years eBay has been a huge leader of the reuse movement. You know, not necessarily on purpose, but just by what it is. That's so funny because I wouldn't think, I wouldn't have thought about eBay like that until just now in this context. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they are. You know, people and people kind of referred to it as like, you know, in in a snooty way, like the snooty people like, oh, it's everybody's yard sale. (laughs) You know, things like that. It kind of is. Uh, Yeah. But um, yeah, just uh, just yesterday I had a meeting uh, with with somebody at NBC Universal. All, you know, nothing, nothing major in the, the works right now, but you know, lots of, lots of awesome doors opening. Yeah. You know, once, ooh. once I finished my, my first film, it just, you know, kind of put everything on a different level. With I, the bet. Views. I bet. If you were to do a TV series, what would it look like? Ooh, good question. Thank you. Uh, if you watch my documentary, you'll see what it looks like. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good comeback. Which yeah, is available kinda, at what kinda, website? Um, <laughs> I kind of set out to make it like a one-hour pilot. Huh. Oh, good idea. Yes, basically, you know, the, the awesome thing is like you can just drive around anywhere and find awesome reuse inspiration where you might not think of it. And just being able to share those ideas. and And it's not only sharing those ideas with other people but with the people who are doing it like going back to the um the movie theater in kentucky that i filmed at they they didn't see what they were doing really as like beneficial for the planet like they just saw this amazing movie theater that was going to get demolished and they they just wanted to save it because of the beauty you know yeah and then i went in there and you know we just sitting in the movie theater seats and talking about you know just like the impact and all the waste they're saving and the money and they're just like oh yeah this is actually really awesome for the planet you know so um so yeah the 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 potential for for a tv show just you know guy driving around and finding reuse and you know sharing ideas for for anybody and everybody so yeah you're becoming like the morgan spurlock of the reuse movement yeah, and you know what's awesome is that I was fortunate enough. I lived out in LA in 2001, and I was fortunate to see the opening of Supersize Me and him speaking. So I don't know if like he inspired me in some weird way to do this down the road, but I mean, it took 12 years if it did. So well, I can see you falling in his footsteps. You know, he's got that. He's got something coming out on TV every, seeming like every year. He's got something. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's, he's a you know cool dude with some crazy tv show ideas yeah mm-hmm. seriously well alex thank you so much for uh, being a guest today on the tiny house podcast it was a really good show nice to to learn about the difference between recycling and reusing and you've inspired yeah. me to go out and ask a construction site for some um scraps awesome do you have a truck do i have a truck no yeah. i don't actually i was thinking as he was talking about his uh, pilot how would i get that stuff from the site to my house yeah, U Haul, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, well, there and fifty you go. cents a mile. Okay, or maybe just the back <laughs> of my wife's Prius. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Take a picture. Exactly. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate you. your time. This is a great show. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Right. See ya. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, uh, listeners, when we'll be interviewing. 
Gil Hertz. I thought we were, but she actually just contacted me on Facebook and said that she is not feeling well, so she's gonna she's gonna push us off for another week. So we got some scrambling to do. She's not feeling well next Wednesday. I know. <laughs> it's a week away. I don't know what to tell you. That's what she just some said. Some people Move. leave their lives so organized. I'm sorry, I've got an appointment with an illness. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you get better. Hope you so get better. So I have some yeah. scrambling to do for next week's guest, I okay. think. Well, there we go. Well, tune in next next week, listeners, when we'll introduce another guest that we have no idea who that's going to be. It will be fantastic. It will be fantastic. It'll be awesome as usual. See you, Bia. See See ya. ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 